Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events, culture, politics through the lens of the Christian worldview. But of course, as most lenses have a prismatic effect, each of us is sitting in a chair, and we will be responding to this issue from that chair. To my right, I have Jennifer. Hello. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Doing well. Glad to be here. I am thankful. I'm thankful to be here. Good. So, uh, as as I should be. Um, anyway, <laughs> which chair? Boy, are you're you jumping right in, in that early, aren't you? Uh, I'll go culture today. Very, very good. Sitting in the chair of culture, talking about the culture that has developed under the church's watch and the counterculture that the church should be trying to create. And to her right, we have Mr. Charlie. Good morning. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. Glad to be here today. Glad you're here. Very good topic. So, which chair are you sitting in today, sir? We'll go ahead and we'll do politics today. Very, very good. All right. So, I'm John Arthur, your host, and we're waiting for one or two people, and I'm sitting in the chair of philosophy, but we'll all be warming economics and uh, uh, theology. If someone comes in, of course, I'll mm -hmm. switch to economics, my favorite chair. Yeah, it's a very economic topic. But it is an economic topic, wow. and I will definitely yeah. reserve the right to hop that chair. So if you've read the title and are sufficiently triggered, don't worry, I triggered myself when I wrote this title. <laughs> um, because... Really, and let me start off with saying we're not here to bash anyone, but just think about it for a moment. On the day that we're giving thanks, we have now encouraged. Stores don't do this just because they're they're looking to erode away godly principles and concepts. We're the ones that give them the incentive. If no one shopped at Walmart on Thanksgiving... Retail workers would not have to go out on Thanksgiving evening and work. Just a thought. If no, restaurants totally concur. If restaurants had no visitors on Thanksgiving and Christmas, they would not be open on Thanksgiving. Just a thought. But moving forward, let's get into the history of Black Friday. And uh, as always, uh, links in the description. Uh, this is from BlackFriday.com, and this is the history of Black Friday. So in which city did the term originate, uh, they say, the term Black Friday originated in Philadelphia. In the early 1960s, uh, Philadelphia police griped about the congested streets, clogged with motorists and pedestrians heading for the, uh, the Army-Navy football game and looking for post-Thanksgiving deals, calling it, quote-unquote, Black Friday. So in a non-retail sense, it is also described as a financial crisis of 1869, a stock market uh, catastrophe set off by gold speculators who tried and failed to corner the gold market, causing a collapse in the stocks to plummet. But why do we call it that? Uh, the term Black Friday in a retail sense was coined in the 1960s to mark the kickoff to the Christmas shopping season. Black refers to stores moving from the red ink in their ledger to the black ink. Uh, back when accountants uh, were keeping records by hand. Ever since the start of that program, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in 1924, the officer, or sorry, the, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving has been known as the unofficial start to the bustling holiday season. As retailers began to realize that they could draw big crowds by discounting prices, the day after Thanksgiving became the day to shop, even better than those last-minute Christmas sales. Now, that's an interesting thing, and and before we move on to the next next story or next bit here, um, chair culture. What has the church done to generate this Black Friday culture? I don't know if it's something that the church has done necessarily. I think it's a lack of action that a has sin allowed of omission. Right? Yes, it has allowed this culture of of. I'm going to say consumerism, but I'm going to put a caveat on that. It has allowed this culture of consumerism to develop. The caveat that I put on that is I, I don't have a problem, and I think that's what you were touching on. We don't have a problem with, you know, retail and making money and, and doing all these things. The problem that I have with Black Friday, I think, is highlighted by a very interesting website. Let, let, let's let, let's get to the chair of politics in the next chair, and then we'll and then we'll jump in. Okay, fine. But the next story is very very interesting, but effectively a sin of omission on the culture's part. Moving over to the chair of politics. So, 
this is an interesting issue from the from the political view. It, it is. And you really wanted to jump in both feet there. I, I want to get your take. When when we've mandated a a holiday for Thanksgiving, what are your thoughts on that versus say something that's come along a very consumeristic as a uh, something as Black Friday? Well, boy, there's so much to delve into here. I would say this that when it comes to the political aspect, that we as as Christians are helping drive this Black Friday concept. You guys were talking about the the sin of omission there. Um, I I would I would almost disagree and say it's a sin of commission. Why are we showing up on Black Friday? If we didn't. It wouldn't be an issue, and to your point, when you when you opened it. Now, from a political standpoint, this is one of those uh, making money deals. You know, I mean, as Christians, is that is that what we want to drive Thanksgiving to? And and I would say no. Um, but this is a, it's truly it's part of our our culture in terms of a supply versus demand. If people are are demanding. Well, what a store is going to do. They're going to supply the opportunity. It's interesting to note that when you look at a, <clears throat> a restaurant chain like Chick-fil-A, they're not open on Sunday, and yet they net more profit than any other chain in the U.S. That's a day off. They force it. It's not questioned. Sunday, you are off. And yet, they net more profit per per store than any other chain that includes McDonald's who has way more stores it's almost like biblical principles have a positive natural consequence absolutely and that's that's what i'm trying to drive at here if if we as christians um didn't take part in that it wouldn't it wouldn't happen It'd be far less, and you, what you said a moment ago about people having to show up for work at midnight, it wouldn't be necessary. Absolutely. So moving over to the chair of philosophy and economics here, I'm just going to throw this out there. When you're in business, your purpose is to make money. When you are a Christian, your purpose is to glorify God. And the, and the ultimate, what, 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 I'm not a numbers person. But if I were to say you can put a number, it's how many lives have you touched positively for Christ? How, and look, I, I'm not telling you to go and grab people by the throat and make them say a sinner's prayer. All right, that that that's not that's not, it's not godly. The it's job. not cool. That's not how salvation works. <laughs> that's not how salvation works. Insert your memes here. But um, it, when you shop. Shop with your values, and that includes staying away from the store, if at all possible, on Thanksgiving Day. And we 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 really can be the the voters' voice. You know, I've got friends who are really big into the Black diaspora, and they say we're one third of the of the consuming block of this and that. It's like actually, that's not a wrong thought process. Christians are at least self-professing Christians are a huge block. Okay, we're, we're slowly, slowly becoming the minority. And if you look at actual uh, Pew, Pew Research and Barna polls, there's maybe only 4% of the nation that actually, 4 to 8, that actually believe in Bible, biblical values. But that's where we need to hold these people to account. So either they, they realize and they change, or they realize and they no longer say that they're Christian. Right? Yep. But we need to start holding each other to account. And, and there are consequences to this. There are consequences to, to this. Jennifer very much wants to get to a story. Yes, well, I just think that this is such an interesting website, uh, blackfridaydeathcount.com. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Golly. Who, who, who decided to spend spend their uh, their weekend doing this? It, I mean, it, it's a pretty simple site. It's one page. It uh, goes back to 2006. It is international, although there's only two or three, you know, maybe a handful of, of instances. And uh, there's been 14 deaths and 117 injuries that they have found absolutely linked to Black Friday. I think that we could all agree that there were probably more, um, but 
these are the ones that they found connected to a news story that is explicitly stating it's Black Friday related. So, uh, 14 people dead mm-hmm. for shopping. And, Where and, they're trampled by, by, by herds of people for $30 oh, off oh, your, oh, your not 20 just trampled. TV. That's some of them. Stabbed. So, some of them are people stabbing, shooting, like pre... I'm not going to say premeditated, but, but actually intentionally hurting someone because they took the last like 40 inch TV from Walmart. Ugh. I'm remembering this from another website, so don't quote me. I'll, I'll put a put a link or send a link to John Arthur, but I think uh, 70% of the Black Friday incidents happen at Walmart. I, I believe it. So that lends very well to your chair, chair of culture. Mm-hmm. What, where does consumerism, if unchecked by Christian values, lead us? To exactly this, pe- people valuing their things the things that they think they deserve over the lives of other people and that's i mean that's it's it's just ridiculous it it becomes totally self-absorbed yeah and and i will say charlie that i i do think that it is a sin of omission specifically on the when i say the church i i understand we're talking about christianity but i would specify that it is the pastors because the people in the pews they're just following you know what everyone else does and they do have a responsibility. They should be reading their own. See that? Their that own. It's both. That's yeah. I was going to say. Sure. It's both. But yeah. but but the pulpit's why, been remarkably silent. Sure, the pulpit's been remarkably silent, and not even just on giving thanks and and some of the problems with Black Friday. But why aren't the people in the pews reading their Bible? Because yeah. the shepherds aren't encouraging them. They're not. I would use a harsher word than encourage. They're not telling them that this is something that you have to do, that you have been commanded to do. So I, I think the root of it is a sin of omission from the shepherds. But Absolutely. you are correct that we it's, as body and, and, and should and have We're going to get to the commandments in a bit because mm-hmm. we are going to take this to the Bible before we're done. But moving over to the chair of politics. So government's ordination is governments are ordained by God, and and their purpose in that ordination is to further godly principles, protect people, and and in general, drive a a godly society. What, when we have actually established Thanksgiving, and we're gonna go into some history on Thanksgiving, but when we've established Thanksgiving as a national holiday, do you think that it's a good idea for the government to encourage a a competing sort of holiday, or do you think the government has no business? I, I personally don't think they have any business in it. I, I would agree with you. Yeah, the <clears throat> to me. So let's. This so, is why the political chair in this particular discussion is a very difficult one to really argue because it's not the place where it, we should. It's be not fighting the place. It. It's not it, the place where we should be fighting. That's it, right. right? That's exactly right. And I was hoping, I'm like, I'm leading the question. I really hope he just flat slaps it. (laughs) So good on you. (laughs) Because I really led that question for for a yes. Yeah, but it's absolutely true. And and this goes back to the issue. Look, as Christians, if you want to do something about government having their hand in this thing, the only thing you're really going to be able to do to effectively change it, if you're looking for the government to change it, is to elect the right kind of people that steer away from that kind of mentality. Well, goodness gracious, we're, we're so deep in this, it would take so many people to get, get that changed. You're not going to. So now you're left with one thing. Now you've got to go back to culture. And as a Christian, if, if you don't bring about that change from there, you've hopelessly lost it. So if, and, and if I can say it this way, and this is part of the reason why we have the chairs, philosophy is downstream of theology. Culture is downstream of philosophy. Politics is downstream of culture. And economics is somewhere between politics and, and you know, underneath there, or you can make an argument for philosophy as a loose tie to sure. that. But it's really in that order. Yeah. So we need to be fighting at the philosophical and theological level to change yes. the culture. If yes. we're not strong, and so the, 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 this pulls over well into this chair over here, if on the philosophy chair, if we're not strong on our theology, 
and if we're not strong with a good intellectual rigor, if we cannot defend, yes, we can go to the Bible and don't and and don't misunderstand me. Don't abandon the Bible. Don't ever abandon the Bible. Amen. In, when you're doing an apologetic, when you're talking to someone, don't ever abandon the Bible. You need to be able to defend the Bible from the Bible, and it all makes sense too. You need to be able to say, "Look, even a man of reason, if you're if you're if you have some of the basic tenets, you can look at this and see that it makes sense." If you're looking at the Bible and the biblical principles with an honest mind, That's otherwise. The key. Yeah, and, and that's the key. You have to be looking at it with an honest heart, and some people never will. That's okay. That is their decision. Uh, frankly, hell is the individual's decision, not yes. God's. Yeah. C.S. Lewis said, "Hell their is free will decision." Sorry, Calvinists. <laughs> we love you. We love you. And by the way, by the way, to all my Calvinist friends who listen, we we love you. And uh, I know a lot of you don't believe in hard, hard. Uh, just. Thanks for that can of worms. <laughs> but a lot of Calvinists don't believe in, in the absolute lack of free will. But, but, but let's move on for the moment. Different podcast. Uh, my goodness. Slam. Josh okay. isn't here. I have to, I have to pick you up have to his, do it. Okay. his, you know, yeah. his slack. Yeah. Well, we love Calvinists and they're, and I would say the majority, just like any other, any other group, majority of them are going to heaven, just like the majority of professing by William Baptist, just so that we're not... Of course. Of course. Our words yep. It's here. all in good fun, you know. Just a mild slam. Okay, <laughs> moving on to the... Uh, just get the headlines, Mr. Mr. Charlie, if you would, from Retail Wire and T yeah. World. This These are is, interesting, uh, but, but you would think that this is leading away from our point, but it's not. It, this, this is mind-blowing, really. Um, those long-contending Black Friday is no longer relevant, certainly have a strong argument this year. In-store traffic on Black Friday collapsed 52.1% year-over-year, according to Sensormatic Solutions. Steep decline was expected as a second wave of COVID cases raged across the country to keep shoppers at home. You know, um, this is 2020, but if, if you go down further in, in, in those articles, you'll find actually... Well, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it didn't decline. It didn't. Online spending on Black Friday jumped 22% from a year ago. And that measure, that's according to Adobe Analytics, which measures 80 of the top 100 U.S. e-commerce sites. So if you can get Axios, Jennifer, uh, the, and I want you to scroll down to where it says the big picture shopper's plan. And, and, and we'll start from, from, from that note there because this is what's happened. This is where it's shifted uh, away from the death, which, by the way, I, hey, slow, slow golf clap. We're no longer trampling people as much in stores. <laughs> but um, if, you, if you can get that Axios quote yes, so from 2018. The big picture. For many Americans, the idea of one big shopping spree coinciding with a work holiday is fading. Yet at the same time, they have higher holiday budgets. The average shopper plans to spend $525 on gifts, 20% more than the average $430 of 2017. So we're watching this increase in consumerism. And by the way, not let me be clear. I understand as someone who shops on Cyber Monday because I don't want to lose out on the deal so that I can get better Christmas presents. I get it. I get it. I really do. But on Thanksgiving... What are we supposed to be doing? Uh, giving, it, thanks. giving thanks. Giving thanks. <laughs> That'd be nice. So Winston just walked in. Hi, Johnny. Come lately, Winston. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I just point out one thing from the chair of economics, real quick? That I just sprung up. The average salary here in in you know in many states uh, is about fifty k a year. So they're spending their tithe on Christmas gifts. Um, that's an interesting it's pretty sizable yeah. amount at least 10 percent. and so if you're not tithing may i suggest and by the way well, you are tithing to yourself very Ouch. good that's a very good thought Stolen. what what i was going to say <laughs> is if you're not tithing may i suggest if you are a bible believing christian and you're walking in in the ways of the lord uh, and if you're not tithing, message us that you're, you're, you're A, missing something. B, if you don't think your church is a good church and they're using their money well, if they're squandering it on 
large buildings and no outreach. I'm not saying large buildings are bad, but no outreach whatsoever. Change churches. Amen. If you cannot give your tithe to a church because you don't feel it's financially responsible, change churches. Well, I would say first approach the pastor with a with a loving heart and say, hey, I'm really concerned about this. See if they're receptive. Maybe they honestly just had not even considered it. Absolutely. If if they reject outreach. Absolutely. Leave. Thank you for contextualizing that. Yes. That is in the I knew context. that's what you were you meant, but for those listening, we're not telling you to just walk out the door as soon as something goes wrong. Hey, hey. <laughs> you, you, you you can catch me any day of the week because I do all the time make some jumps. You know Winston, um, how are you doing this morning? Let me let me jump in one more quick thing. Sorry, Winston. I, we'll, oh, I'm I'm used to it. Yeah. <laughs> so Shoppers plan to spend 57% of their budgets online, but just 30 per, uh, 36% in physical stores. We're moving away from the brick and mortar. Yeah, and, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. Absolutely. I'm sorry, I stole Absolutely. the thunder again. J- 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 yeah. Grab that joker right out of the air. Winston, how are you this morning? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wait for somebody to interject. It's, it's like herding cats. The, yes. Uh, That's your job here. <laughs> In, in, in my head, I'm, I'm playing the well. circus music. You're doing well. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Good. I'm glad to have you here. So we're going to slap you into the chair of theology. Okay. So uh, if, if, if you've been reading the, the, the show map notes. You, I read a little bit. What, right now, we're down to the Axios story. We just covered the Axios story. So uh, I'm going to throw this around the room, and I'm going to come to you theologically in just a moment. So chair of culture you've already commented a, a good bit on on this axio story but culturally we're looking at and you're right you, you are in a sense worshiping yourself or putting your family above if if you are not giving let me make that very fine distinction absolutely if you are not giving to outreach and by the way purpose of church having money is for outreach if the church just spends it on the building just on the people in the church that you missed the church. point. Mm-hmm. That is a glorified club. Let me be very clear. Mm-hmm. So you need to be spending on missions, local, indigenous, and, <clears throat> and, and, and far-reaching. But what kind of church culture have we generated? How is it sick, and how do we kind of sort of start to head back towards a, a thanksgiving for what we have and an mm-hmm. acknowledgement of where it comes from? Well, I think specifically the culture that we've generated in the churches is one that focuses in on, I'm going to call it a, a, a pathological focus on self-love. Ooh. Like, it, you know, it, it's this idea that, you know, come as you are and don't change. Ooh. Come as you are that, is that's, 100%. Yeah. But when you get here, you should be challenged. And if you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit, you should respond to that challenge in some way, shape, or form. Over a course of time, I'm not saying it's instant, but there should be a change. And in, in churches, we're not even pushing saved Christians to change. It's, it's this God loves you. God wants you to be comfortable. God wants you to have nice things. And that's all true. Yeah. But that's not the only thing that's true. And we've left off the other half of that message. So there was a really excellent Christian rock song out of Ireland. Okay, and I and I don't remember the group because they've they've kind of got they've disappeared. But it was such a great song, "Stand Your Ground." And th- this one lyric was, "Make no mistake, I love you as you are, but I love you far too much to leave you exactly as you are. Exactly, God loves you as you are. However, He loves you far too much to want you to squander in your filthy rags. He wants to clothe mm-hmm. you in righteousness and change you, but that mm-hmm. takes effort." Mm-hmm. So moving over to the chair of politics, uh, and again, interesting chair here. Some Christians want to use the heavy cudgel of government for everything. We have big government Christians. Is there any position or place politically to regulate what happens on Thanksgiving Day? Or well, is that more in the in the stream of culture and philosophy I, and theology? I, I, it's... My personal opinion is in more of the cultural philosophy kind of thing. I'm, I am a fan of, of small government 
Uh, it, it does not need to be big. It does not need to be bloated. Um, what we're seeing today is preposterous, uh, honestly. There, well, there's no need for it, but we're not going to get into that discussion. The thing is, from a Thanksgiving standpoint, I would submit to you that one of the reasons that we move away in the, in the Christian worldview from, from the things that we should be doing, from the things that are right, is because we have forgotten our history. And we have Amen. not educated our children on what the issue of Thanksgiving is really all about. And we've rewritten it 400 years later. Yes. Without it, so, so by the way, I am all for new archaeological discoveries. I'm all for discovering new letters and saying, whoa, this puts it in an interesting context. Maybe it changes it. I'm okay with that to an extent. I'm, I'm cautious of it, yep. but I'm intrigued. Without any evidence without any new information we are recontextualizing the 1600s with today's critical race theory lens i would dare say we're going back further than that and and it, oh absolutely but I'm, I'm specifically talking about a topic today but we'll get to that yep. moving and, and and that is a deep that's a target rich environment for your chair in a few minutes so let's move over to the chair of theology Jennifer already sort of talked a little bit about this with tithing to yourself, but can, can you giving money that is, and again, is it, two questions, is it okay to spend money on family and friends? But also before you answer that, should we be focused on, should our giving be focused? Should our uh, giving be, be purpose-driven? And what is that purpose theologically? Yeah, I mean, you have to spend money on friends and family. That's, that's a given. The, um, although I would caution, the well, I would contextualize the word friend because as believers, we are all brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, so we're not friends, we're family. Now, we're friends with the secular word, uh, world. Um, and yes, I, we will be given opportunities to help them and assist them in ways that uh, the Lord has blessed us in. Um, and if there is no purpose behind, well, if there is no purpose behind your giving, that's scary. Mm. That's that's scary. You're not one, entirely sure why you're doing it. Would one say that that's self vanity if there's not a purpose? Yeah, because uh, at that point you're doing it mainly because one, everybody else is doing it, you're just following the stream, so to speak. And you're just keeping yourself at level with others for whatever reason. And isn't they... that the the epitome of a of a poorly lived life? You're you're doing it because others are doing it. And and you feel inferior if you don't. It's a virtue signal, or it's a yeah. ploy for more attention. By the way, I'm I'm guilty of this. I I would pour money out, uh, you know, of my early first earnings to my dad, and the purpose of that was to impress or get something emotionally there mm -hmm. and, and 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 okay i'm not making any claims here about being emotionally deprived but no, no no i'm just saying that gift wasn't out of the goodness of the heart it was i want to in i want to better this relationship for the for my own desires mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. that's a selfish gift i've done that I think we all have. Absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things that I, I work with uh, a lot of young people and athletes, and uh, one of the things I'll say from time to time is that we are the greatest manipulators that have ever lived. Mm -hmm. Ooh. And, and, you know, that's something that, that we need to take, keep in mind as Christians when we're teaching our children. And not just teaching as in verbal, but, but giving them an example. Yes. And that's something that I'm very thankful to my to my parents for. Like I I I know personally that my mother's a very generous person because at now as an adult I have like access to certain passwords in case anything happens and you know I'm like a backup to make sure the bills get paid whatever whatever. But she was always very careful to. She was very careful in how she demonstrated to us how you are to be generous. Absolutely. It, it, it was very thoughtful on her part. And, I'm, and I mean, that's something that I'm very thankful for today. Because it, 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 
it, it saved me a lot of heartache over figuring that out for myself. Absolutely. So moving on to the chair of philosophy and economics here. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up a study right now uh, on, on missions. It's one that we did before. Uh, it's 97%, I believe, of our of our wealth is spent on ourselves in America. It's 97 mm -hmm. percent. Yeah, we've so, touched on this. So we, 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 we've done this before. I need to pull up that stat, Will, later, and put it in the in the description. But, and, in the, and on the article for Provoke to Reason, Provoke to Reason, live, by the way, all of these uh, are, there's an article there that you can share with friends if they're more readers, and, of course, they can listen to the podcast. But we spend the majority of our money on ourselves in America. And the church spends most of the money. And by the way, that includes, oh, we have a Wednesday night Bible study. Oh, we have this. Oh, we have that. And so these programs are great, by the way. Not downing on them. But what is your purpose? What is your telos on earth? Your, you know, the Greek word for purpose. If you want to go to the philosophers, they'll talk a lot about telos. What is that purpose? It's to glorify God. And the primary way to do that is to make disciples. So if you're about making disciples, good. And I would say, are you generating fruit? Mm -hmm. Really important. Are we mm -hmm. generating fruit? Sometimes that fruit is, is, is we're tending to trees that are already grown. But if those trees do not increase with more seed planted, sown, and then new harvest reaped, may I suggest that somewhere there's a breakdown? Yep. So we've talked about Black Friday. Uh, let's go ahead and move into there's some more stories they'll be in the link in the description if you want to if you want to keep going but it, it, it's an interesting look at black friday but let's look at the origins of thanksgiving so this is from wall builders there there'll be two links there's a short version that i'm going to pull from and then of course there's a very very nice long article uh from 2008 from wall builders but the short version of this oh, i've got the long version here the short version of this is we've had a lot of Thanksgiving celebrations, some by the Spanish. And by the way, it's really funny. I've read some articles online complaining about, um, oh, the 1621 Thanksgiving holiday has co-opted uh, the, the original Hispanic, the Latinx Thanksgiving of, of the 1540s or what have you. But it also highlights the brutality to indigenous people. Okay, fine, whatever. Yes, there were many Thanksgivings, and Thanksgiving was always for either deliverance or for a bountiful harvest, which one could also say is deliverance from starvation during the winter, right? But I'm, I'm having a hard time loading this. Did I have the short version. Go ahead and pull up the short version. Do you want me to read it? Go ahead. Okay. It's short. The tradition of Thanksgiving as a time to focus on God and his blessings dates back almost four centuries in America. While such celebrations occurred at Camp Henry, Virginia, as early as 1607, it is from the pilgrims that we de derive the current tradition of Thanksgiving. Following their first winter in America, the pilgrims reaped a bountiful harvest the next summer. As one of them wrote, God be praised, we had a good increase of corn. By the goodness of God, we are far from want. Consequently, they declared a three-day feast in December 1621 to thank God, America's first Thanksgiving festival. This began an annual tradition in the New England colonies that slowly spread into other colonies. The first national Thanksgiving occurred under President George Washington. It was President Frank Franklin D. Roosevelt who began celebrating Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of November, a practice established by federal law in 1941. And then below, it gives you more links to get into the longer article. But From the, the political roots. chair, I'd love to ask the question, why did they codify that? So mm. that's, an, that's an interesting thing. And whatever FDR did, I look at it with suspicious eyes. However, however I, I, FDR was a terrible, terrible person and a really bad president. But whatever his intentions were with creating all these federal holidays, and we can make a negative argument for this, Thanksgiving at its root and branch is a godly pursuit. And mm -hmm. by the way, we're, we're going to get into some Bible verses, Joshua 4, 1 through 7, in just a little bit. That is a biblical 
function. So whatever his purpose is, during a lot of the stuff he, he messed up, FDR actually fulfilled his ordained duty in that. So I want to ask this question. I want to pass this around. And, and if you've, if you've, you know, you, you guys know this, and I'm going to ask this at the beginning and at the, or at this point and at the end, are we focusing more on consuming than giving thanks on the day allotted for Thanksgiving? There's been a day allotted for that. Is this part of man's natural uh, progression away from godly principles, or should I say regression? And how do we act as a counterculture to this decay? Jennifer. Well, the answer to your question is absolutely yes. I mean, we, I'm going to say we as a general human population, we can barely remember to give thanks every day for all the little things that we have. And on the day specifically set aside to remember to give thanks, we fail. And we, in fact, do the complete opposite in contrasting Thanksgiving with Black Friday, as we've already touched on. So what what do we need to do now as the church is not participate, as Charlie said. You know, this is we're called to be different from the world and we need to take take a serious stock of of where our priorities are. We so need to be giving that point. Mm-hmm. And 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 let me th- throw this out. Yeah. Let's imagine, let's do a thought experiment. And and some people might might say this is hokey. No, no, no. Think about it. Thought experiment. Man, I, I've got the Cyber Monday deal, this and that. I didn't participate. Why chance, not? Chance to spread the gospel. Why that, not? That's a straight mm-hmm. shot in. And, and, and so I'm, I'm the softpaw here because I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this. And I might, I, I'm, I'm trying. I've set my mind to try to do this. I'm going to try to hold myself to Cyber, Mon- uh, Cyber Monday, not so much, but Thanksgiving Day and Black Friday. I've told people before, the physical shopping, No. No, that is Thanksgiving. I do not want to mm-hmm. go on Thanksgiving. And people say, why? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Or to be thankful for what we're given because the Lord has provided so much. That's, so, that, that can be impactful. It'll make people think. So and that's really where it starts. You've got to get people mm-hmm. think. So m- moving, over to the, or, okay, moving over to the chair of politics, we see that the Bible has ordained, and, and the next verse, or the first verse that we're going to look at today is, is, is going to do this, but we've seen that the Bible dictates that governments set forward religious observances, holidays, uh, festivals, or, or mikrah in some cases, um, these, these pageants that are a, a rehearsal for something to come. However, when it comes to things like Black Friday, Black Friday, no, government can't be involved in that. Thanksgiving, yes. That's such an interesting principle. Uh, it does. Do you want to plumb that for just a moment? Because the question, I, I think, goes down to the government can mandate or can provide a memorial or an observance, but can it touch the heart and the culture or the philosophical or theological? And any attempts to do so, what are those? End well, up doing? they'll fail. Because it can't. And this effectively has to come out of the church. It has to be the, the saved people that really grab hold of this thing. That's the only way you're going to effectively change this thing. And that's why I said a moment ago, it starts with the thinking. You've got you to gotta get people to think about this. That's what apologetics is really all about. It's provoking people to think. Think about what you're trying to do or what you are doing on a Thursday. What is the purpose of, of a Christian participating in Black Friday? It's all about saving money. It's, it's self-serving when you get right down to it. We are so obsessed with ourselves that we miss the meanings of some of the things that are all around us. And I, I want to say it again, our biggest failure as Christians, is teaching our kids what this stuff is all about. And how do kids learn primarily? They learn from mom and dad. Observation. Yep. And the primary yep. role models that they have. I, I was talking with a family member uh, not too long ago. I, I won't say whom, but he was talking about his relationship with his kids. And he said, you know, I did exactly what my father did. 
Yes. And, and if you go, if you send a lawyer to law school, they will learn law. It, he will not learn dentistry. I went to one school, and that was my father. And I am struggling to reinvent and learn. This is after his kids are all grown. So while you still, if you still have the blessing of kids in your home, make sure that you're setting that godly example. And I, and I want to throw that over to the chair of theology. And I'll add one quick thing. Not just if you're a parent with kids at home. Even, Grandparents, you can do a lot too. Amen and amen. And what I was going to say was, even if they're out of the home, living intellectually consistent. If you have not up to this point, start. Amen. Start now. Amen. Start now. There is still hope for restoration yep. and reconciliation if, ne if necessary. There is still hope for that. Start living a consistent biblical lifestyle now. They will see. You know, popular example of this is, uh, uh, I, I forget Bart's last name, from, from um, I can only imagine. A good example of that. Children will see the example, even if they're out of the home. Throwing this over to the chair of theology. When we do not remember what God has done for us, what does that do? You have a generation growing up that doesn't know the Lord. Which oh, man. Time and time again, establishes and judges. The and end. we're going to get to those verses in just a minute. But yes. And... Well, you you get a people that are lost, don't under don't know that they're lost, and because they're lost and they don't know that they're lost, they have started to fill the gaps of what used to occur with things that bring about a roughly same feeling, but not a same outcome. Mm. 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 Yep. Very good. So moving over to the chair of philosophy, and and again, I'll, I'll graze in economics. <clears throat> what is your purpose on earth? Remember to invest in things that have a heavenly value, and that is people. That is the souls of the lost, and might I say, the souls of those who are saved, so that they can be better prepared to be a part of, of, of the salvation and gospel movement. Make sure that you're fulfilling your purpose. Now, I threw this question at the chair of theology a little early, but does someone want to get Joshua Four, one through seven. What blessings does the Bible offer for giving thanks, and what consequences are offered for forgetting to give thanks or neglecting? Starting off with Joshua four, one through seven. What does God say about setting up a remembrance? Who wants to get that? I got it. Or you, oh. Chair of theology, go for okay. it. Four, one through seven. The whole thing. Yep. <clears throat> and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying. Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here and out of the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Hold up. They're taking it out of the midst of the Jordan. What just happened, Winston? Jordan separated. Water and the floor or the riverbed was dry. God parted the rivers, just like the Red Sea, that they could see, and then from the middle of the river. It took a trophy of grace. Keep going. Mm -hmm. uh, you should carry them over with you and leave them in the, uh, the lodging place where you lodge tonight. And Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. What was the purpose of it? It was history class. Remember. Yep. What does God say over and over again? Mm -hmm. Remember. Remember. And, so and going to Winston's point about a generation that doesn't know the Lord, what are they remembering? The generation of Exodus that forgot the I, Lord. I, I was just fixing to say, it's almost as if God said, okay, I want to make sure you understand this lesson. Let's go through this again. Mm -hmm. And pass this on to your kids. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about Thanksgiving for just a moment. People don't realize how amazing this story is. Mm. You have Tisquantum, 
and of course, as as Americans have done and have always done, Squanto. It's to Squanto. Squanto. Okay. To Squantum <laughs> was taken as a slave by some wicked people, in, 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 you know, from, from England. And he was traded about, and then he finally was given freedom by someone who took pity on him and, and, and did, did what he should have done, freedom. Years later, he sees the pilgrims struggling, and other members of the tribe, Massasoit, the chief, did not want to provide that aid. They said, look, these people, you know, they're English. God only knows what they're going to do to us. Their gods are judging them. Let them die. And, and uh, the other guy with Tisquantum said the same thing. But Tisquantum looked at this, Squanto, looked at this and said, I don't know why, but the grace that was shown me, that changed me. It changed Tisquantum. And he comes and he offers this grace. So you have this inverse Joseph, if you will. Mm. He was That's taken, an interesting way of looking at that. He was taken into captivity by the wicked so that the Lord could use him later. He knew English. He was an incredible English speaker. And he was able to translate for the pilgrims. By the way, the longest surviving treaty for for between the English and the Indians was that treaty that Tisquantum helped broker. So you want to talk about evil this, evil that. People talk about Thanksgiving being an evil holiday. No, 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 no. This is a holiday of diversity, unity in mm. diversity, mm. and it all comes down to the cross. What? Because it's that grace. Tisquantum, if, 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 if Squanto is one of those stones from the Jordan. Yep. The memory of him is one of those trophies of grace. The fact that the pilgrims, so many died during the previous winter, and now they had food. That is a trophy of grace. Mm-hmm. We need to remember, we need to put these stones before our children, and please do not forget what Thanksgiving is about. Yeah. It's about thanking God for his daily bread that he provides us. Yeah, it's not just a generic be thankful. It's be thankful to God. Mm. Mm. And so, chair of culture, on this Joshua 1 through 7, when we have a culture of remembrance and thanksgiving, what happens? And when we lose that, what happens to our culture specifically? Read the Old Testament. Read Exodus. Read First Kings. And I and I know that we are not in the exact exact same covenant as as Israel was. It's slightly different, but the principles are the same. When you're faithful to the Lord, mm. He will bless you. And I'm not saying that that blessing is going to come in the form of monetary wealth or material possessions, but you will be blessed. And if you forget the Lord, He will chastise His children, and He will use wicked, you know, people of the world to do so. Whatever is true, whatever is right, think on these things, and the grace and peace of the Lord will be upon you, right? It's very good. Moving on to the chair of politics. Joshua just joined us, and he's going to sit in the chair of philosophy in just a moment. Well, yeah, and I just wanted to add also blessing crowns. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the... <laughs> Just throw, throw just, in that one just, word. Just, just throw in. Okay. Um, go ahead and sit down, if you will. <laughs> so because you, because you interjected, go ahead and sit down. But uh, moving over to the chair of politics, Joshua 1.7. What is government's job in this necessity for remembrance? What is government's job, and where does that boundary stop? Well, <laughs> So, for me, if they're going to get involved in this, then they should eliminate the, the Black Friday thing. It, stores are not open. You're closed. If they're going to get involved in this. But, but they I'm shouldn't. Not, but they what? But they shouldn't, right? And, and that's my whole point. I, I don't think they even should be involved in this. This is, this is something that, that, again, the local New Testament church needs to grab a hold of and change. And I would say so on the Black Friday issue. On the Thanksgiving, the government is fulfilling its mandate. 
Yes. To provide those remembrance moments. Yep. So Joshua, we're talking about Joshua one seven uh, uh, four one through seven, talking about the stones of remembrance. So, sitting in the chair, of philosophy. How are you this morning? <clears throat> Doing good. Glad to have you here. Late as usual. <laughs> sorry, sorry, work got me again. Okay. This man. This man is on staff twenty four seven, and he ends up talking to people at three or four in the morning to take care of what he has to take care of. He's a good man and a good hard worker, despite what I say about him when he's not here. Uh, <laughs> now tell him how you really feel. <laughs> but but uh, philosophically, what is the purpose of those stones? And what should be our purpose with Thanksgiving? We're, we've been talking about living a purpose and a thought, pur- purposeful and a thoughtful approach to life. When we're looking at Thanksgiving, is this a time to raise up a generation who will remember the Lord? For sure. A beautiful thing that my family did last year, and we didn't do it this year, unfortunately, but we would have these, almost these jars. I don't know what the type of jar was, but it was a jar, and you would put a memory each and every day, starting from the previous Thanksgiving up until the next Thanksgiving, about what the what had happened that day oh and then at on that thanksgiving day you would open up that jar and you would go back and look through all the times that the lord had provided or that the lord had delivered or that just you you saw the lord's work throughout the entire year and it was a good remembrance 365 stones man that is that is something that we need as humans yeah and god knows that and that's why he said, put up remembrances, put up memorials. That's why you have all these t- cities in, in, in Israel that are named after encounters with God, or they're named after the death of a loved one. They're named after, there's a reason. They've put this place aside. They said, this is what happened here. Remember, do not forget. Moving over to the chair of theology, I want you to give your opinion. And then, as you give your opinion, we're going to be rolling into uh uh judge see i have it second judges 10 second judges but go ahead and give your opinion and, and I'll, I'll i'll get the second judges quote here okay what was the opinion on theologically we're mandated to keep these days of remembrance as a church what should we be doing should we be taking this seriously and holding each other to account when we're when when we don't remember, when we don't stop in love in a loving as a servant way, should we be encouraging each other to focus on Thanksgiving as as a day set aside for the Lord? Uh yeah, yeah. Um, it's there is always a necessity for accountability. The lack of accountability is another symptom of consumerism, unfortunately, because it provides an easy way out, not only for yourself, but for those around you to the point where, uh, well, where we are today, where you can't tell who a Christian is and who isn't. So That's ultimately where we failed. Expound on that for a moment. We cannot tell who's a Christian and who's not. Oh, they talk the same. They walk the same. Uh, the only spend difference. And the same. Yeah, they spend the same. The only difference is they don't call it a club. They call it a church, and they just go on Sunday mornings instead of Saturday nights. And the reason it's a club and not a church is twofold. There are no disciples being made within the walls. Sometimes, sometimes there are, but there are no disciples being made outside of the walls. So, Josh, uh, Judges two eight. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timoth uh, Hedes, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all that generation were gathered under their fathers, the ones who crossed the Jordan. Okay, The second one, Israel 2.0, because the first one died in the wilderness. <laughs> Joshua lived. He's part of that 1.0, but 2.0 died. And all all of them were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Boy, that's telling. 
Let's let let's think about that for a moment. And and, and I'm I'm going to hit on the last note and on this note from the chair of economics. I'm just going to lead right in. Your crowns that you want to cast before the Lord, that should be the only value that you see in this earth. The spiritual wealth. And by the way, one of the reasons why the ancients had such a huge emphasis on lineage, that was part of their impact. That was their spiritual legacy. That was their spiritual wealth. Are you investing into your children? Are you teaching them? Are you raising them up in the ways of the Lord? That way there will not be a generation that rises that has forgotten the Lord. We need the stones. We need the stones. And, and I really like what Josh shared there that his family did because that's, that's another form of stones. And what is culture doing right now to those stones with Thanksgiving? I want to throw this to the chair of politics, and then I'm going to run over to the chair of culture. Crushing it. In fact, they're twisting it, are they not? Yes. They're viewing it through a... They're, they're not just viewing it through a lens. You actually have to mischaracterize, misquote, and take out a context. But that goes to a deeper issue, John Arthur, and I totally agree with what you're, you're bringing out here. But one of the things that is happening in our culture today, and I'm talking in the United States, you have a systematic progression of destroying history. And as a Christian, we cannot allow that. Because if we forget where we've come from and who led us here, those two things, the truth and the, con and the full truth, yep. right? The historical facts with the lens of who led us here. What kind of culture does that develop? The one that we're seeing today. A godless mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, if you're a Christian and you look around and you're comfortable with where we are in America right now, you need to do some self-examination. There's some things that should be grieving your soul and grieving the Holy Spirit within you when you when you look at our culture today. And if it's not, you, you need to be careful. Amen and amen. Moving over to the chair of philosophy. Really quickly, when we're looking at our purpose here on this earth, part of that is also, I would say, part of the gospel is maintaining the history and the context of that history you look at 1621 there were bad things that happened between anglo uh indian relations uh, spanish indian relations all the relations right it was a savage time in the english uh some of them were god-fearing christians and some were godless scallywags but 1621 was a church a literal congregation was on the mayflower it was a congregation that moved from England to Holland, persecuted the whole way. Then they decided, nope, we're going to this new land because we want to be able to worship God. They're saying that we didn't worship God or that they weren't here to worship God, really. And they're twisting the relationship between, between the settler or the pilgrims specifically and to Squantum or Squanto. What is their purpose when they try to take those stones down? What is the world trying to do, and what should our purpose be? For our purpose, I think Roman, the latter chapters are some good context. Our purpose is to glorify God. And the reason why I bring up those Romans passages, I think it was in 13 and 14, is because when you look at those passages, it says that you both, you guys disagree on these minor things that really don't matter. The purpose that you guys need to have is to glorify the Lord. And that's our goal. Our goal is to glorify the Lord. And then what was the first part of your question? It was why does the... So when the culture is trying to rewrite history, what is their purpose? 
because the history of Thanksgiving glorifies God. What do you think this CRT lens is trying to do? Would you say it's potentially glorifying man? Or at the very least, undermining God? Wouldn't you say that it's not just to glorify man, but it's reshaping, if you will, who man is into something greater than God? That's, that's what the end goal is. We can get God out. We ourselves can take care of this. I would say so. I would say so. Well, I would say what's the purpose in twisting anything? To sell, it's, it's to sell you something that sounds really good, but it, it has no weight. It's always to take the truth and exchange it for a lie. And again, if you want to get super metaphysical, I'll go over to the chair of theology. What is the manifestation of truth? When we reject truth, who do we physically reject? We reject God and his word. The, uh, and we, who is the word? Jesus Christ. We reject, we reject the only solid foundation that we are offered. Mm. Just think about that for a moment. When you attack the truth, Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. In the beginning was the word. You know, th- th- so this is a theological concept that I'm not married to, but I'm pretty strong on. Jesus Christ was the physical manifestation of the truth. I'm married to that. I would agree he, with that. He was, in this world, was spoken into existence. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. How did the universe come into being? The Word of God. Spoke it. He, he Jesus was there. is the physicality, if you will, yeah. Of God, yeah, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, yeah, and and that when you deny the truth, that's why God does not like lies. By the way, He does not like deceit. He does not like embellishment for the uh, for the sake of deceit. I think embellishment is a great form of comedy, but mm. when it but when spoken in lieu of truth, uh, yeah, that's that mm. is that is antithetical to God. Mm. So, I want to leave you with a few verses here. If you guys can go ahead and get some of these for me. Yeah, I got First Thessalonians 5. I've got Romans 1. Okay, if you can get First uh, Timothy 2, 1 through 4, Winston. Jennifer, go. All right, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm actually going to start in verse 16 because I think it ties in. Good. Uh, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hmm. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4, through 4, please. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Father, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a phrase, there's a give and a take with that phrase. It's, Give thanks, make intercessions, make it for all kings and for all that in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. There's a promise there. And then if we can go ahead and get the consequences when we do not give thanks and when we glorify ourselves. This is Romans 1, 21 to 23. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And to wrap it up, I'm going to go ahead and reread Judges 2, 8 through 10, or at least 10, and also that a generation were gathered up to the fathers, and they uh, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. May we not raise up a generation that does not know Amen. the Lord. With that said, thank you so much for tuning in today. We appreciate your listenership. If you have a comment, go ahead and put it down in the comment section. The comment section can be found at provoketoreason.com. 
And this will be with an article. You can read through our notes, all citations in the podcast description, also in the article. Uh, Tell us from which chair you're arguing and uh, let us know what you thought. If you didn't like it, go ahead and let us know why. Thank you so much for listening. We are thankful to have this podcast. We are over 12,000 downloads. Thank you so much for your listenership. We appreciate you. Please like, share, subscribe. We love you all, and we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. So for those of you who are still here, you are our true (laughs) listeners, our true fans, or you're asleep. One of the other parts. Going around the room here, I want you to put this down in the comment section. Is cranberry sauce the God's gift from heaven or from the pit of hell itself. (laughs) Going around the room, Jennifer. Uh, It's from the pit of hell, and I will say anyone who disagrees and says it's a gift from God, (laughs) even even the devil appears as an angel of light. So you you are deceived. Deceived. (laughs) Moving over to her right, Mr. Charlie. I have to tell you guys, this one's getting split right down the middle because (laughs) I hate cranberry sauce, but I guarantee you if I was on my last meal and and I'm starving to death, I'm probably going to eat it. <laughs> oh man, oh man! You those those who stumble in the David Versity are as a splintering rod. Let, let me let me say this: I'll eat spam before I eat cranberry sauce. Oh, ow! Moving over to ow. the right there because Josh has gotten up. Winston, good or bad cranberry sauce? Well, I can't call good what another brother call, or I can't call bad what another oh, brother man. calls good. It's uh, within his own conscience if he can eat it without, you know, feeling any remorse and all that. And he doesn't believe that it contradicts scripture. Now that's fine. You know what, Winston? Uh, you right. You right. The, I'm wrong. Uh, Talk about punting. The, well, that, that, like I, I, I don't really care for it all that much. I don't like a lot of things, but that doesn't mean other people. Can't Let's like ask it. this you question: When was the last time you had cranberry sauce? Uh, well, I, I think I give it at least a little. It depends if we have biscuits or not. If we have biscuits and I mix it with a little bit of butter, I'm gonna eat it. Okay. No, no. So you heard it. You heard it from here. Unanimous cranberry sauce. <laughs> I don't like it either. But if you like it, we still love you, just like we love the Calvinists and the uh, Presbyterians. But aren't fruitcakes worse yet? Yes. That's that's evil. Fruitcakes are evil. Fruitcakes. <laughs> oh, my. Just like us. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. <laughs>